Hi, good morning. Uh, my name is Ajit. Um, I run product marketing here at Narvar. Welcome to our series on returns. Uh, we are talking today with David Morin. He's our director of retail strategy and head of customer success. Talks to retailers and e-commerce brands of various sizes all through his day. Um, really sets innovative strategies for these brands. So we are trying to figure out and talk to have a conversation with him today about returns, how, what he's seeing in the market, and specifically have a discussion on return policies. Uh, happy to have you today, David. Yeah, thanks, Ajit. Thanks for having me. Uh, as you noted, I've been working with retailers here at Narvar for the better part of three years. Uh, returns has always been a critical and important topic for our digital uh, retailers, and especially has been heightened through the last six months as we've all had to deal with the changes through COVID and the impact. So happy to chat with you about what we've seen in the market and some ways that retailers can really optimize their return strategy. Right, for sure. And and we will talk about COVID. I'm, I'm even going to start a little bit, you know, take a step back and just discuss returns and why they happen. I'm, I'm always amazed by the statistic that a third of all e-commerce returns are sent back or e-commerce products are sent back. And around, you know, it's estimated that around $600 billion you know, retailers lose $600 billion based due to returns. And, and that's, there's some inefficiency in the system there. Uh, it's 5 billion pounds of goods that's actually just like sent to landfills. Uh, so I'm just a little curious on what your take is on what is driving the high return rate and some of the inefficiency in this process. Yeah, I'm with you. Always is surprising to see that type of data. Um, but what we've seen is there's really maybe three or four core drivers to the high volume returns that happen through e-commerce purchases. I would say the most common is anything relating to size or not meeting expectations. Um, at Narva, we like to call that bracketing, especially mm -hmm. in the apparel category. We see that consumers tend to buy multiple of the same good, either in a different size or different colors, so that they really can use their home as a at-home fitting room. Uh, yep. selecting between different sizes, different colors, or even different styles, maybe in the same uh, general category. Of course, that doesn't apply just to apparel. Uh, you know, people may be buying multiple goods with the intent to keep one of electronics or uh, of cosmetics. Um, right. So really using the at-home experience um, as a virtual or at-home fitting room. Right, right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, additionally, I would say that over the last uh, 10 years, and I would say personally, even over the last two to five years, uh, retailers have really made it a lot more easier to buy online. Uh, with the uh, you know, surge of Amazon having expedited premium free shipping, many e-com retailers have chosen to match that, having really uh, flexible and consumer-friendly shipping policies and return policies, which I think from a consumer end gives them more incentive to buy uh, without having the risk on the consumer end for having to keep. Uh, so take, kind of taking advantage of that uh, flexible return policy. And then I would say third is really the whole sense of physical or tacticalness um, and not really being able to replace that digitally. Of course, retailers are always trying to do great things with photos, with VR, augmented, re augmented reality to simulate the in-store experience as much as possible. Uh, but it's really hard to replicate uh, the feel of a fabric, the way it touches your skin, the fit of it, any right. of those tactical uh, goods that then, and characteristics that you're able to determine. Right. Uh, so, you know, you always risk that on the digital channel as well. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, I like your concept of a fitting room at home. And I definitely would love to try on more products, especially if the return process was easy uh, during the time of COVID. I would love to, you know, I think people just have to do that now. Uh, but it also makes sense. You can't, act, you can't 
hold the shoe or hold the you know the jacket in your hand that you want to buy so it, it that makes sense um so now i mean i'm sure retailers are always coming to you and asking like what do we do how do we optimize this how do we make sure we retain this revenue how do we make sure we provide the best customer loyalty uh how, how you know what are some controls that retailers have that they can deploy to to start to make a little bit sense of this Sure. Yeah, the first one I would say is what is your return policy? So how long do you have or how long do you offer your consumers to actually return that good? Mm -hmm. What is the thought process that goes behind setting that policy? Is it 30 days? Is it 15 days? Um, of course, the longer policy you have, the more risk you have uh, as a retailer from uh, not being able to resell that good when it comes back to your warehouse, um, potentially risking markdown, so selling it at a lower margin. Um, so all of that, I would say, is a balance with the retailer. Um, we also find that uh, most of the retailers who utilize Narbar are able to really use the data that we're able to provide for them after return and then apply it back upstream, making changes to their product detail page, to their product descriptions, uh, to their merchandising assortments to really reduce return rate. Mm -hmm. uh, we have lots of stories that I work with retailers all the time and I, I love to share them. Probably one of the most recent that I've heard from a retail partner uh, was an apparel and accessories good retailer they noticed that they were having a really high return rate from a single sock. And when they dug into the data that they were able to get from the digital return process, they saw that most consumers were returning that sock uh, with the reason code, not as pictured. Mm -hmm. So they went back to their product detail page. They looked at the picture. Uh, it was a pink sock, but the pink that they were picturing really did not match the actual color pink of the physical good. Right. Uh, so they worked with their merchandising team, uh, reapplied a new photo that better matched the description in the photo and the physical good. And right. immediately they saw a decrease in the overall return rate of that good in that category. Makes sense. Uh, so there's things you can do upstream to right. uh, you know, better set expectations. And then there's things that you can do after the fact uh, using the data that you're able to glean to reduce return rate and, and set expectations in that way. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I like the color aspect. Like personally, I'm very. It's very hard for me to see colors on a monitor. If my monitor is different, like even small aspects to the color make diff make a difference to the product. So that would make sense that you funnel it back. You use the data to improve the you know improve the website itself. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of policies, you know, it, it's a good point that you mentioned about you know that you know uh, what is the return policy. How does that how do you make start to make this determination? Because I would expect that if the po policy was too short, you'd you know you'd frustrate customers a little bit. How do you make a determination of you know how do you set the policy per product? How do you set a policy? Could you set a policy based on customer? If I was like a premium customer, sure. Well, I think to start, what we see most broadly and most common is a 30-day return policy. Mm -hmm. I think which also typically aligns with uh, return policies in store as well. Mm -hmm. um, we find that uh, from the research we've done on a qualitative end with consumers that most mm -hmm. consumers also feel that 30 days is a fair policy. Mm -hmm. um, from a data perspective, we also know that regardless of return policy, most customers return within 30 days anyway. Mm. Um, of course, if you offer a longer return policy, there are always going to be consumers who take advantage of that as well. Um, so you really need to be mindful of uh, what is the risk and reward within your supply chain. Um, right. For example, we know that retailers uh, who have a high price point item, who have maybe a long consideration phase, um, such as a luxury consumer electronic, may want to offer a much longer return window to give their consumer peace of mind uh, with the purchase. 
Right. Whereas for fast fashion companies or mass apparel companies, they maybe want to offer a slightly shorter return policy um, because they run the risk of not being able to sell the good when they get it back or having a reduced uh, price of sales to reduce their margin. So right. we really need to look at each of your, I think retailers need to look at their business um, and really understand, you know, what is the, what is the world we live in? What, who is our consumer? What is the likelihood of returning? And then what is the risk that we run after we accept it back? Right, right. Um, I think for Narva, we see a lot of different levers in which hmm. retailers are adjusting their policy based on category, based on type of good, based on price point. Um, we have retailers who are really trying to incentivize behavior to return quicker. So they hmm. offer free returns within, let's say, the first 15 days, right. but then accept returns within 30 days. So what they're really trying to do is incentivize you to return faster if you know you aren't going to keep the good. Makes which sense. again for them as a retailer uh, reduces the risk of markdown and uh, the amount of time that that inventory is dead. Right. Um, we also see retailers who have multi-categories within their own um, assortment. Um, so perhaps they're offering um, you know, a longer return policy for electronic and a shorter return policy for uh, apparel or footwear. Um, we also have seen, especially over the past, I would say 12 months, a lot more retailers adopt the notion of final sale so there might be certain goods within um, their assortment that are sold at a significantly discounted price or uh, are kind of past season. Uh, they're right. willing to sell those goods, but they very explicitly state that they aren't eligible for return at all. Uh, and so using a platform like Narvar to be able to enforce those final sale policies as well. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Or at the consumer level, it you know, definitely holds true for me as well. I'm looking to buy you know just because we're on lockdown i'm looking to buy an exercise bike with one of the you know interactive uh there's a bunch of those on the market but they're so expensive i'm like i'm pretty sure i could buy one but if i got a two-month return window my likelihood to buy increases a lot so it's interesting how a retailer thinks about that and thinking about how i would think about it personally um, yeah, i would also add you know one thing that We've seen a lot of retailers do to try to mitigate returns as well as be flexible with their consumers is this idea around exchanges, which uh -huh. I would say is especially relevant in the apparel, footwear, and accessories market. Right. Um, we talked at the top of this about bracketing and about sizing. Right. So what are ways that a retailer can recover the revenue quicker? Um, right. Offering seamless like for like exchanges. At Narvar, we do offer that as a feature set within our returns flow. So mm -hmm. allowing a consumer to quickly initiate the or express the intent to exchange a good so that they can really quickly get a similar item back to them in a different size or a different color. Right, right. Yeah, so in that case, you'd send the return back, but uh, you won't get a refund. You'd just get the right size. Exactly. Got it, got it. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Um, so how, how, much, how, much could, how much impact could uh, exchange, you know, putting that exchange program in place, how much impact could that have on the overall return rate? Yeah, well, um, from our, what we've seen in the market from the retailers who use exchanges with us, um, mm. really there's phenomenal benefit. Um, for one of our retailers who does a lot of denim, pants, um, they've seen the exchange rate be about 30 to 35% of all return orders. Wow. Uh, which is really great for them to be able to quickly retain that revenue. Um, for other apparel retailers, I think we've seen adoption rates of between about 15 to 25%, mm. which is still quite high. Um, so again, really allowing retailers to re, um, rescue that revenue much faster, retain it faster. And then also from a consumer experience and it's much more consumer friendly. Uh, previously, right. a customer would have had to initiate the return, ship it back, 
go back online, place a new right. order, uh, right. have you know a dual uh, credit on their card or have right. balances. And so from a consumer experience, right. I think it's also much easier as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. This does this does incentivize the customer to get the right item. That makes sense. And then the the numbers that you mentioned are actually surprising because it's just the exchange part that lets you optimize it by 20 to 30, 35%, which is great. Um, so I'm a little curious about COVID. Uh, you know, with COVID, all the retailers had to go on lockdown. People were on lockdown too. What did you see? What did you see in terms of the return rates? Uh, how were businesses coping? How were, you know, your customers coping? And what are some learnings from that? Yeah, I think COVID uh, rocked everyone's world. Uh, retailers, consumers, and, and all businesses alike. Um, from a return standpoint, we really saw three core impacts, and all of them are very interrelated. Uh, the first thing we saw during COVID was the complete shutdown of physical stores. Uh, if you think about most uh, omni-channel retailers who have a mix of e-commerce as well as physical store locations, anywhere from 20 to 50% of online purchases were being done in stores. So of course, when you shut down your stores, uh, you have to rethink your, your strategy. Uh, the first thing we saw was about 100% of e-commerce purchase returns were now being done digitally through a platform mm -hmm. like Narbar. So mm -hmm. we saw an inc tremendous increase in the, just the sheer volume of returns that were being processed online. Interesting. Uh, from a retailer perspective, what we saw is a lot of flexibility in uh, making changes to the return policy to account for the friction that they were seeing within society. And um, what that really meant is most retailers changed the return policy um, starting for purchases made immediately before COVID and made during COVID and having significantly extended return policies, often trying to align that with the perceived or projected reopening of physical stores. I would say just now, are we starting to see those return policies getting tightened back up as mm -hmm. stores are opening and consumers have a lot more options to make the return? From a behavior standpoint, I think, and this is really interesting for us to see at Narvar, um, is the adoption of consumers using different return methods. Uh, so the first thing that happened is everyone went home. Many of us don't have printers at home anymore. Uh, a lot of us rely, I know I do, on the work printer. So yeah. anytime I was making a digital return, I had to print a label. That was all being done in an office. Right. One thing Narvar offers with many of our retailers is what we call printerless or QR code based returns, which is the ability to use a digital QR code that can be scanned at a mail or FedEx facility and have a label printed for you. So there was that ease of uh, getting a label. Right. Uh, I think additionally with people kind of being heightened around physical contact, it was a really contactless way for customers to process returns as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the second piece um, from adoption was, uh, many of you may be familiar that last year Narvar launched what we call our Narvar Concierge Network, which was a variety of physical locations, some mail facilities, some other facilities like Walgreens where consumers can drop off the returns. And starting in mid-April, we saw a significant uptick in the number of consumers who were choosing to use one of those convenient drop-off locations. Through COVID, uh, places like Walgreens, FedEx facilities were open. Uh, and also, in many cases, are really close and convenient to consumers. So we saw uh, consumers looking to still complete the return, but going to more convenient, close by, uh, and quicker locations. Understood, understood. So this would be more relevant for, let's say, if I was purely an e-commerce brand, and you know, uh, there are some brick-and-mortar retailers who also have a digital offering, but if I was just an e-commerce company, then I could potentially use Narvar Concierge to expand at least the number of return locations that I'm providing access to. Yeah, I think certainly for if you're a deep, 
online only, it's a great opportunity. But even if you have physical locations, your physical location might not be the most convenient location for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, some of our retailers certainly have thousands of physical locations that, you know, are really convenient for consumers. And some of them maybe have 30 or 100. Right. Um, so for a subset of their customers, that's really servicing them. But how else can you service your customers who don't live nearby? Right. So giving them the ease of returning in a physical location, um, either through COVID or post-COVID, right. uh, while not having a actual branded physical store. Right, right. Makes sense. Uh, now, life in retail is always planning, 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 and you're planning for peak, you know, August, I think we're already late. So um, just curious about how retailers are planning for peak season this year. What, what are they expecting? How is peak going to be different this year than let's say last year, just because of what's been happening and any advice that you have? So at Narva, what we really saw in terms of behavior and volume was that COVID was an expanded peak. Uh, the volumes that we see during 2019 peak uh, typically lasted for one to two weeks we saw those same volumes and even higher last for six to eight weeks through COVID. Mm -hmm. um, so as we think about going into holiday 2020, um, I think we really think that it's gonna be, again, another kind of peak season um, with really high volume, really tightened and, and elongated supply chains, both on the outbound and the inbound. And so a lot of the learnings that we learned through COVID, I think we can think we can apply through peak. Um, the, I just touched on concierge and QR code. I think that those are huge opportunities for retailers heading into peak. Um, giving your customers more choice and convenience with how, where, and why they're returning. Right. One thing I didn't touch on, um, but I also think is a big opportunity for retailers is through COVID, we really saw a slowdown of the reverse logistics supply chain, both from a carrier standpoint, but also from an internal processing standpoint. So as retailers applied more stringent uh, health and distance policies at their distribution centers, it slowed down the time to process and the time to refund, which created a lot of right. friction for consumers not knowing when they were going to get their actual money, which as a consumer is always your top most concern. Yeah. Yeah, um, totally. Another thing that we saw retailers do is take advantage of uh, additional communication touch points through the return cycle. Um, at Narvar, we offer a number of different uh, email and SMS type communications that can be done about the returns process mm -hmm. uh, that really gave a lot more transparency to consumers about where in the network the return was, what were the next steps, and when could they expect to receive a refund based on the current um, constraints within a retailer's right. own network. Right, right. Having that peace of mind and transparency, yeah. I think, was really relevant during COVID. And of course, I think will be really relevant again heading into the peak season. Makes sense. So what I'm hearing is, I think that the two main things that I've heard is one is the need to be nimble and flexible. So, you know, we've had a lot of uh, work done, work that we had to do during COVID and be flexible in terms of return policies, offering more options. Now we've seen how that happens. We can apply it again. Uh, during the, the you know, holiday peak season, but it's also about customer expectations. And we know we can expect supply chains to be under pressure again. So making sure the customer communications are ready, both when you are buying a product as well as on the flip side and you know, giving them the peace of mind so that their refund arrives on time. I think those things will, will really help. So Definitely. Uh, yeah. I, uh, one thing that I heard from a retail partner this year uh, which I love and have been kind of using internally and with our, our retailers is this idea of it takes a pandemic. Yeah. You know, they called it hashtag, it takes a pandemic. And for them, what it meant was they had all of these strategies and initiatives that they had been thinking of for six months, 12 months, years. And the impact of COVID was it really forced them to be nimble, be flexible, be quick to make changes that were best for their business and best for the consumers. 
Uh, I was really inspired by a lot of what we saw from retailers offering new return strategies, new return products, um, you know, ways to communicate and offer transparency. And so I think, you know, it's been something that I've been saying internally with our team. It takes a pandemic. How can we help our retail partners and heading into peak? You know, it takes, it takes, a, it takes a peak. What are the changes that you need to make? Uh, how can you be nimble and flexible to the current social climate uh, and be able to offer the best end-to-end -end experience that's best for you, your business, and your customers? Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, thanks for being being on this video with me today, David. Um, uh, we'll definitely try to do more of these. Uh, but if you saw it, saw this video and you liked it, please check us out at narva.com and we'll be back. Thanks, Ajit. Thank you.